State of the Game is part of the Talk and Golf Podcast Network, proudly supported by the Golf Society. Thegolfsociety.com.au are retailers of the best brands in golf apparel, footwear, and accessories, including Ralph Lauren, Peter Miller, Travis Matthew, and Jay Lindeberg. Special offers apply for Talk and Golf listeners. Visit thegolfsociety.com.au forward slash Talk and Golf to claim your discount today. And for more quality golf podcasts, visit talkandgolf.com. everybody and welcome to episode 101 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. My name's Rod Murray and what matters on this episode is the proposed world golf tour that has sent shockwaves through the golf establishment over the past week or so. The Premier Golf League hit the headlines late last week courtesy of our co-host Jeff Shackelford and while the idea is not completely new, Greg Norman and Rupert Murdoch proposed a world golf tour as far back as 1994, this one seems to have caught the attention of the game's power brokers. PJ Tour Commissioner Jane Monaghan felt compelled to travel to California and speak directly to players at a meeting last week at Torrey Pines. Well, Keith Pelly was disturbingly dismissive when asked about the idea, suggesting he wasn't in the habit of discussing other tours, quote, either real or fictional, unquote. So what's it all about? Who's behind it? What are the potential upsides and downsides? And does it have a chance to succeed? For at least some of the answers, let's turn to the man at the very centre of this story from the beginning and bring in Jeff Shackelford from his base on the left coast of the USA. Jeff, we'll get into the nitty-gritty shortly, but well done on breaking the story. Not an easy thing to do in the modern era, and hopefully it hasn't tarnished your reputation at PGA Tour headquarters for being one who could always be counted on to tow the company line. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I was up for a vice presidency until this. Um, <laughs> Very lucrative. So, <laughs> As uh, you know. A lot of traffic. Uh, I don't. I don't ever look at my traffic anymore, but I did for fun. I have never on my new platform ever gone and looked into the state-by-state and you'll be shocked to know that Florida was the leading state of traffic on this story. In a particular spot in Florida, can you nail it down that far? No, it doesn't pinpoint <laughs> that, but I'm 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 feeling like it wasn't Miami. Yeah, a spot in Florida that maybe has a dartboard that maybe has a picture of your face on it somewhere in an office there. Uh, looking forward to getting into some of the details of this whole proposition with you in a moment. But first, let's in, bring in our other co-host, owner of Mike Clayton Golf, partner in CDP Golf, alongside Mike DeVries and Frank Pont, Pont columnist, commentator, critic, analyst and this past week live tennis correspondent tweeting out nuggets during a presentation given by martina navratilova and paul mcnamee mike clayton clates is there anything you can't do i'm looking forward to getting your perspective on the premier league today but what were you doing at the tennis uh it was a memorial service for peter mcnamara who was a friend of all of ours down here who was a great tennis player who died of prostate cancer early in the year so the Australian Open was a chance for everyone to get together and so there were a whole bunch of great Australian players who, who came to talk about him and his legacy and how he played. And Martina turned up and Yvonne Gulligan was there and Ken Rosewell and Pat oh. Cash and lots of guys he played with. So that was that was why I was there. And Martina got on to somehow talking about wooden rackets and how much better the game would be if they still played with wooden rackets. And you couldn't help yourself, could you? You just had to just pull the pin out of that grenade and launch it onto Twitter immediately. <laughs> well, the point about the tennis court was that the – Rackets have made the court so much bigger. So, so while the golf course has been made smaller by the technology, the tennis courts, the tennis courts are now so much bigger mm-hmm. because the ease with which you can play the game with modern 
try and pound rackets, which was an interesting perspective, I thought. There you go. It's still just her second best line ever, Clates, I think, as I tweeted in response to you. Yeah, yeah your best line. Is a, <laughs> that's a great line. Have you, I don't know whether you've yeah. agreed with that, Shaq. The, are you still a lesbian? Are you still the alternative? <laughs> <laughs> Got to be the greatest put down in media conference history, I reckon. Oh, an absolute. Hey, uh, you know. yep. uh, on that topic, uh, I was watching the the tennis one night um, from down in San Diego, and they were discussing Coco Golf, and and the question was posed to Chrissy, you know, is she, where is she compared to you and other great players at this age? For the, the the early bloomers and and she she was really stumped by the component of would she where would she be with modern rackets uh, Chrissy uh, versus what she played with Pam Shriver had no doubt that she certain services she could she would regardless of equipment she would be superior and certain surfaces Coco Goff would be su- superior at age fifteen. Uh, but Chrissy was completely stumped by the notion of trying to trying to ra- uh, think about uh, the different kinds of rackets and 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 how they translate to to players, which I thought was interesting mm. um, because she's usually given a lot of these things quite a bit of thought, and and a lot of the players, I think, like golf, right, feel that uh, if you put a wood racket in today's players' hands, they'd be just like the the golfers are stumped and a mess. Whereas if you put the all time greats, you gave them the modern stuff, they'd be able to adapt. Maybe not in, the, in, in a day, but maybe in a couple of days or a few weeks, they would they would adjust and they'd be fine, like Tiger has throughout his career. So anyway, I just interesting you brought that up, and it, it, it occurred really to me she was she was really legitimately hmm. did not know what to to think. Whereas whereas in golf, we see the opposite check. It's probably to do with the length of career. You know, guys keep playing professional golf well into their fifties as the equipment changes. But we see the guys, and they know. They say, "Look, I'm already hitting, I'm hitting it further now than when I was 30. So yeah. common sense tells you that if we'd had Am this I, when I was thirty, right? <laughs> and my misses are are better. And yeah, yeah. exactly. What do you reckon? You, anyway, you did that thing with Lucas Herbert, who won at the weekend in Dubai. Congratulations, Lucas! Uh, good to see him get his first win on the European Tour. Good for Australian golf. Lots of Australian golfers winning clubs. We'll come to the World League in a minute, but let's just bask in Australia's glory for a second. But what do you reckon? You yes, that? we've got to. I mean, come on, the Presidents <laughs> Cup bounce is huge here. It's legitimate. It really is. Uh, it seems to have been for uh, yeah, for a few on our side. If only you guys yeah. hadn't won, we would have been happy. <laughs> we could really, well, there's, yeah, could really enjoy it. What do you reckon, Clay? You did that experiment with Lucas. I reckon that today's players, I don't reckon it would take them that long to adjust. What do you think? I don't think the skill level has changed really. They're, they're different body shapes. They've learned to swing it differently, but the the basic skill and hand eye coordination required for golf, I think today's players would adapt reasonably quickly to old gear if you made them? What do you reckon? Yeah, I think they would figure it out. I mean, he had no idea. He couldn't hit it at all with the wooden driver. He was terrible. And and at the time he was playing, well, he went off to, he finished second, he went to Portugal the next week from Australia and finished second or third. Hit it in the water on the last hole, just like he did this time around. (laughs) That's right, he wiped it in the water, didn't he? But um, it wasn't as he did in in Dubai. Um, Yeah, it but I played later in that week with a kid called Brady White who lost the final of the U.S. Amateur, the year Matt Fitzpatrick won. Mm-hmm. And a good player, plays decently in Australia. And he had no problem hitting the same club. He pulled it out and with, within three shots, he was ripping it. So perhaps it, it – and, and I think he has a better technique than Lucas. He's not a better player, but he has a better technique. 
He's very modern, so, Lucas, isn't he? He really lashes at Lucas. It's a big, big yeah. golf swing with the driver. That's for yeah. sure, so. and, and I, you know, I've played with Ogilvy many times when he just, he just pulled it out and he's got, he's got no problem hitting it. He just pulls it out and rips it. So I've got no doubt that, that they would adapt reasonably quickly. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, good players. Do, some would they? be, some would be poorer drivers than they are now because it's you know the, the sweet spot's not as big, but they'd figure it out. Yeah, but. It just wouldn't go as far. I don't think. I, you know, I just don't see them hitting it 320 yards like I do now. No, there might be one or two, which would be great. But anyway, we're, for those playing the drinking game, just slow down. With well, we had to. We wanted to get them properly <laughs> lubricated before we some, talked yeah, about. Got, but we've got some complex topics to delve into, so try exactly. to keep yourselves nice. Premier Golf League, Jack. You broke this story last week, as we said. <clears throat> Although, as it turns out, it has been lurking around. No, you've been. Well, Reuters, I think, reported on something to do with this last year. I know you've been sniffing around it for quite a while. Rory revealed that it's been six years these people have been yeah. talking to the world's top players. Give us a thumbnail sketch. My head is spinning because there's been so much news come out about this thing, the Premier League and the Australian Open and the LPGA, and it's going to be this and it's going to be that, and it's 18 events, it's a team event, it's a single. I can't understand it. Give me the, the, the thumbnail sketch. What is the basic concept of the Premier League? Uh, it, I first heard about it several years ago. Uh, never really took it that seriously because they, the people were so stealth, and I and I I say that with admiration. They've done this all very quietly. Uh, they've they've not done anything to try and go public with it and use a, a media or, or or public exposure to to bolster their case. They've done it all with behind the scenes um, meetings and uh, putting together a, a proposal, listening to people, tinkering with it. And uh, <clears throat> I obtained some of their, their documents and then had other portions characterized to me um, and began working on it as a story uh, last fall. But I, even then, I still wasn't really sure how serious it was. And I had something written and was planning to, to do some more uh, research, reporting, whatever you want to call it, at the farmers. And then... Uh, we began uh, the farmers insurance open at Dory Pines. Uh, we began hearing about uh, that it was the primary topic at the player meeting on Tuesday, and then a primary topic of the PAC uh, Players Advisory Council meeting on Wednesday. And more and more people were telling me all these different things that were were being floated. And so I, you know, the beauty of having a blog is that you can hit uh, send on something. Of course, that could also be the, <laughs> the end of your career very quickly. Use wisely. But I had, I had, I had written something, um, and I had interviewed Mark Steinberg. He was the only agent who, when I asked about it, would would talk about it. And uh, down at the Bahamas at the Hero World Challenge, and uh, I felt like uh, there was I had enough to put it out there. To see what would happen, I consulted um, a friend who is a, uh, a, a former editor of a magazine, and I said, "What do you think?" and and uh, he, he agreed. I had more than enough uh, to to make it known, and because it is such a big topic behind the scenes, that it would be this was the time to to put it out there, and um, and I think it it went over pretty well. I only had. A couple of things, and I, you know, I'll say wrong, but basically they were right in that. At the with with the information I had, uh, they were correct to me, but they've made some tweaks to the name mainly. Um, 
I, uh, I'm, I'm skeptical that they really are trying to do 18 tournaments. That was their original plan. They've, that I had been hearing it was whittled down to 10. And uh, they, they did change the name from First and World Golf Series to Tour de Force to uh, Premier Golf League, which I don't know how that's going to stand with the Premier no, League. None of them are really and, good, are uh, they? Those, those names. Sorry, just on a by the way, and is the name important? Yeah, any of them are. There, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think they've gotten worse with each name <laughs> myself, but that's that's just me. Sorry. Um, but anyway, so the gist of it is is really rather simple. Uh, there are a lot of investors, and they're they're using this Rain Group as the name investor. But I I my, I've been led to believe in their discussions with people that many different sources of funding have been pledged. Uh, from all kinds of places. I've heard some really interesting um, <clears throat> sources that have been mentioned in their meetings that I, I can't uh, prove, and a couple of them are, are, are of the type that I, I'm skeptical um, that, that those entities would, would, would get involved in this. But anyway, the gist, Rod, is they feel that the top players don't see each other enough that the modern golf product is bloated, the day is too long, the tournaments are too long, they're poorly scheduled. Um, I mean, they go down to a lot of detail in their plan, down to if, if there's a Monday holiday in the United States, they would finish on that Monday holiday, like we just had with the, the desert event in Palm Springs, where we inexplicably play against uh, one of the highest-rated telecasts of the year in the um, championship uh, games in the NFL. So they go in. They think through everything like that. They feel the television is is stale. Uh, that the players themselves do not want to be playing this massive bloated schedule. They want to have shorter days. The TV people want to have shorter days. Um, Seventy two holes is outdated to them. And then then they add this component that is based off of Formula One. And, and, and I, I have not done a deep dive on this, but, but kind of the interest that tennis has, again, and sort of going back to some of the things that, that Billie Jean King started with team tennis um, and getting more events like that. And then, of course, uh, the world's love of, of the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup and the Solheim Cup, these team events have become, have shown us that stroke play is not as compelling uh, as a great, match play team event, which as we all know would have been something the Olympics needed. And so they have, uh, and then that team element to put it bluntly is a way to create franchises, which is a way to, uh, uh, for, for, to in business speak, create value for founders in the form of a franchise ownership so that, to lure a Tiger Woods or a Phil Mickelson or a Rory McIlroy, they would uh, certain sele- select stars would be targeted to have a franchise that would be something that they would retain ownership past their playing days, or they could sell um, if the if the thing built uh, out into something. And then they also just just to be crass, they see uh, the ability to structure tournaments where you do have this running team component through the season like the FedEx Cup, only it's kind of fun because teams have managers. <laughs> well, it's fun. Here's, no, 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 I don't mean that as a shot. At the that came out beautifully. FedEx Cup, I, I, yeah, what I mean is fun in the sense of, so let's say, just totally hypothetical, Rory McIlroy's franchise, team, um, 
Team McManus or JP McManus, let's say he he because uh, I don't think it's it's I think there is a chance that there are, are very rich people who mm-hmm. can own a team. So let's say JP P- McManus is a franchise owner and his team is uh, 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 Shane Lowry, Roy McElroy, uh, and Padraig Harrington are all on on their team and one other and a fourth player, uh, uh, Seamus Power and. Rory's not playing well, and Padraig's not playing well, and, and Lowry and, and uh, Seamus are. So they're going to be the two people designated by the team manager, Paul McGinley, that week. And Rory goes to the meeting and goes, well, Paul's, Paul's clearly lost his mind, and I'm not happy about it. I should be, you know, whatever it is. Those little petty dramas that we get with team events, they envision elements like that. And then it leads to, at the end, a little playoff where you would have these teams uh, – four-man teams vying for another championship, more money. Um, and the idea being just that that you have this sort of running narrative of, of a team element and you you latch on to what seems to be a growing interest in our world in team over individual events. Um, and then there are just other details. You know, There's an appearance money element, which makes all the agents happy, and, and that's structured very cleanly by world ranking. Um, they address the PGA Tour pension. They don't believe anything any players ever earned is something they would lose. They address so many details, so it's it's really impressive that way. But obviously, just to the, to be blunt, it's for star players. Uh, it, it's it's a chance to uh, make a lot of money, yeah. and there is a growing thing that I don't think we realized, or I didn't, uh, a real animosity. Toward uh, uh, the, the the journeyman or the the the, the seventy five to one twenty five that's coming from the top players who feel like they are sustaining or uh, are, are not profiting enough in their big events because the tour is putting money into purses and playing opportunities and trying to grow the game for uh, those those journeyman uh, weeks yeah. so. That's another component to this that kind of came out in Roy McElroy's comments, and I, I'm, I'm not clear whether he feels that way, but it's certainly a sentiment that is out there, and so it's they're tapping into that as well. So they're tapping into a lot, of, just like Rory said, they're 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 seeing some weaknesses and they're tapping into those, and uh, they have big money behind them, they believe, and uh, and then the final piece, not to bellow on too long, but the final piece is. The PGA Tour's current television contract is up for uh, renegotiation, expires at the end of 2021, and I think they are making their most aggressive move at this point because they know once that's locked in, that could make it difficult to pull this off. The time is now. The, one of the great beauties of that team concept, Shaq, if we were lucky, is that the team players might all stay in the same hotel and we could get the stories about players being out late and doing things they shouldn't <laughs> do and getting into fights in bars. That's the great element of team hey, sport. Hey, you, no, you, you just don't know, but <laughs> that is something that they, they just feel is a compelling thing through the course of the year. I'm not sure it is, um, but at the end, I think it could be. Well, I think it could be fun to see... Uh, to see a rider, it's a mini Ryder Cup format essentially, and I'm going to do a blog post, kind of laying out the, the 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 details on that here, and also explore this kind of this mentality of, of uh, younger people being more drawn or, or, or being less 
uh, drawn to individual sports and more drawn to, to team. Interesting stuff. We'll dig into some of that shortly. Clay, so I want to get your immediate reaction. You would have read the story on Shaq's site like I did last week and all of the stuff that's come out since, including the Australian Open angle. What's your initial reaction, having listened to Shaq there? What are you... My head's spinning, I'll be honest. I think there are so many potential issues. Your gut tells you a lot of things because you've been watching golf a particular way for so long. We've always been used to it this way. And is it just a reaction because you're used to it? Maybe this is a better idea than it sounds? I don't know. What was your, what's, your, what's your first uptake on, on this proposal? Well, I think always the top players have had a chance to break away and take all the money for themselves and decimate the rest of the tour. I don't think it's a, it doesn't seem like a good idea to me at all. I mean, Jack and... Miller had that chance to play for fortunes and didn't do it. And, you know, I think once the tour breaks down, then what do you have? And, you know, is this a better replacement? So, you know, is it just 50 selfish players and 50 equally selfish managers hoarding all the money for themselves and destroying the rest of the tour? Which I think seems, it seems to, I mean, sure it's not perfect, but it seems to work pretty well to me. So, and the concept of the world tour is not new. I, mean, I get tired of hearing that Greg Norman thought of it. And Peter Thompson thought of this thing way before Greg ever did. And Greg and Rupert Murdoch, as far as I could tell, were only in it for the money. Thompson's the only guy who's ever spoken about a world tour in terms of what's best for the game and what's best for the players. And he was all about a world tour because he recognised that there weren't enough jobs in America for all the people who wanted to play pro golf. So he was coming at it from the right point of view, whereas everyone else seems to be coming at it from how much money can we make out of it. And sure, the fans want to see perhaps the top players play against each other all the time, but to say that they don't play against each other often enough is, well, that doesn't seem right to me. They play against each other plenty of times during the year. Well, there's, there's so, you know, you know, I, you know, well, I think it's... Yeah, you know, but it's, it's over the course of a long... Uh, a long period of time and they're trying to say hey we want to it's january to september we go away they get to go away you know they're 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 that's chipping away at, like that yes, yeah um, that, that's interesting and i, I think that's got some merit. isn't the problem with the players playing against each other and it's a We've got that with the World Golf Championships, and the fact is it's just not compelling. If, if the, the, you want to watch the best players play against each other, each other for something meaningful. What we really mean when we say that, if you want to watch Tiger and Rory on the back nine Sunday at Augusta, we don't want to watch them, or we're less interested in watching them back nine Sunday at the John Deere Classic. And certainly less interesting if they're just playing for a great big purse. I think there's an issue with that. It's about... The money, I'm sure, is appealing to the players, but watching players play for money, Clates, I don't think has ever been particularly interesting, mm. has it? And, and by the what happens, Jeff? I mean, they take 48 players. Is that right? Is it 48 players? Yeah, I, I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happens when you fall out of that 48? I, and that is, to me, the biggest hole in this. So where is the feeder tour? Where are the next stars to be developed? And what happens to Jason Day or Jordan Spieth if this had started two years ago? They would have been marquee players. So what happens to them now here as they both fall out of the top 50 and struggle or have an injury? I mean, it can happen. And and they do discuss some of that, you know, some of the intrigue of roster moves. But okay, uh, in, in baseball here, we have a we have a feeder tour or feeder system, uh, uh, minor league baseball. In in golf, we have a minor league tour. Um, we have multiple uh, tours that the feed the, the big tour. Actually, so I don't. I'm not. That's where. And maybe their view is okay. We establish this, and we'll worry about that part 
later, the, the, the coming, the going, the uh, a little bit more in detail, because that's my biggest um, concern in looking at it is, well, who, who do you think is going to develop the future stars? And college golf can do some of that, but it's not high profile enough uh, to the rest of the world. Uh, it's 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 raised its profile to American viewers so that Matthew Wolf, Victor Hovland, uh, Colin Morikawa, I nailed it on the first try, by the way. Yeah, very Sir, good. Yeah, well done. Sir, Sir Nick did not. <clears throat> um, and, or the third try. And uh, you have to see that clip if you have it. It's one of the more yeah. spectacular things from the week. Um, and so those guys have a bit of a profile to the golf world, and they had it in part because the Golf Channel's gotten more invested in college golf. And and we and we we haven't been burned much by top college players in recent years. They've 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 translated to the PGA Tour more than ever. But that's just one thing in the U.S. That's not that means nothing to the rest of the world. So that part to me is is uh, is is kind of scary because as we know, you even with the the equipment the way it is, you can still you can still lose it um, pretty quickly. Isn't the and that that's a that's a thing they really need to work through. And maybe I don't. Know, maybe they think the PGA Tour will become their feeder tour. Well, that's not going to happen. Don't. Well, I clearly think that, that that's what's going to happen because or it won't work. That it'll kill the PGA Tour, and then it can't be a feeder tour. So that's just that's just uh, that's something to me that they they have to resolve. And then, as you said, Rod, uh, playing for money is is uh, and and uh, yeah, it's just not it's, it's not something. The FedEx Cup has shown we raised it. To fifteen million, and and people actually felt a little bit dirty. Dirty. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, That's some people did. The second part of that problem, and Rory touched on it. I thought Rory's comments were particularly interesting, and three things stood out: the fact they've been talking to Rory and his people for six years. I found interesting, although I know there's been whispers around whatnot, but six years is a long time to be working on yeah. it. So, as you say, it's certainly very well thought out. The problem with that top 48 players and people want to see the best against the best, what people really want to see is the most entertaining players. So let's say we went back 15 years. The reality of that would Uh be they'd want to watch John Daly. Now, John Daly wouldn't have been one of the best 48 players. So who do you take? And Rory said that golf has moved from a competition-based format to an entertainment format. And that brings its own problems because, and not to pick on him, but Patrick Cantlay is not the most engaging personality. But he'd be one of the forty-eight, and you're going to have probably, that probably, yeah. I would Tiger say is, I would say the and top if he was twenty-five or two, say, do you not have him? <laughs> that doesn't make right. any sense. So, but I, uh, yeah, like uh, Ian Poulter and Padraig Harrington would be far more entertaining yep. people to have as part of this tour, and they might be. They might be. It may just be about the twenty-five best, and then after that, it's a uh, twenty-five most. It's a mixture. Yeah, uh, I could definitely see that scenario because you're right. Patrick Cantlay is is uh, lovely bloke by the eight, way. Interview him at the President's Cup. The world or, yeah. Lovely bloke. But he's, gets it a bit. But yeah, uh, yeah. So um, there's there's a bunch of issues with that. Uh, and then the other component too, by the way, that 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 is lost in that or, or that is murky. Uh, as as we know, uh, there is always something really fun and and different when. An unknown, mm-hmm. or somebody with a, makes a putt that changes their life. There is something really rewarding and fun about that, and it's really incredible when they do it against a top player and they Definitely. take them down occasionally. And that's a uh, and same with tennis. That that's a component that that we love uh, to watch in golf. 
as much as we enjoy seeing the great all-time greats and face off and have a rivalry and all that, those stories are pretty great too. And that's the probably the one unknown in this is is taking that away in this in this concept. Does it uh, make it less interesting? I don't know. But we're pretty, st- you know, the PGA Tour's gone all in on stars, and it's about names, and the players are bigger than the game, and the players are everything, and so that is this concept is taking what where they have shifted in recent years to making it about the players being bigger than everything, including the game, there's, and there's now room. it's could backfire. Not to support the PGA Tours, I don't think it's been deliberate. The PGA Tour model still allows for man bites dog because there's enough players. Once you've cut exactly. it to 48, there's no man bites dog left, and that is well, compelling and, stuff. And that's and Jack what's Fleck been the least Hogan interesting, is. right? And the WGCs take that away. And what do we find that other than the match play, the WGCs are there's always a flatness yeah. there. Uh, there's something missing, and and the match play is the only one where there's just something a little bit more. Uh, fun and and by the way, some of the great match play moments have been Kevin Sutherland and Victor yeah. Dubasson and yeah. uh, the, the 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 out of nowhere uh, shockers. Almost always, the semi final is the most compelling match at any yeah. match play yeah. event. It's just the way it seems to work. And look what they've done to the match play format to try and keep the stars close. I wanted to come back to you. Is not the biggest potential problem with this, and it's a problem that the PGA Tour and the European Tour fall for as well. Is that the truth is what they're trying to do is contrive results and that never works see if you can manipulate the field to get a result that you want we all want tiger to win but when you try to contrive that by limiting fields no cuts 54 holes all of these things they go against the very basic concept of sport which is at the end of the day every now and then jack fleck beats ben hogan and that's what makes it great yeah, or all the Moody wins, or, you know, Jeff said. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. I, um, yeah, let me, yeah, I'm stuck for words a little bit. Um, not like you. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, well, it is early in the morning. And so, there's a lot so, to chew on here. I mean, yeah, it's. So, so, my question, Jeff, is uh, assuming this thing doesn't get off the ground, does it inspire the PGA Tour to change what it's offering every week? Which yeah, is see, I, the most important thing. I think this, uh, and I, I had a lot of conversations, and, and with all due respect to my colleagues at uh, the press tent and Tory Pines, uh, and, and, and I've been able to ponder these things because I've had the documents and I've had some conversations with people, and then I kind of go off in my own uh, world thinking of scenarios. I don't think they really, it, 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 and it's part of the reason, too, I was a little nervous about hitting send because... Uh, on the old post because <laughs> I think it'll be very hard for the PGA Tour to sign its next television contract to to go forward saying we're 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 good we're fine everything's great uh, I don't see it ever being the same ever again and I think that they are going to have to take some drastic steps. Um, their relationship with the European Tour, their mediocre relationship, and their desire to beat them is now officially about to backfire. Uh, had the WGCs and Rolex events, you know, those should merge right away. They should be in talks right now to figure out a way to merge those tours or at least those events. And suddenly, league. right there, isn't it? 
<laughs> Pretty much, other than the team component, it is boom right there. You have the money, you have the you have the the the, the events. You you um, and you maybe shed a few. Both tours probably need to trim some events, some real some real junk that uh, where nobody's watching, and suddenly you you immediately get stronger. Um, but I don't I don't know if the appetite or the I don't know if that's there for them. But either way, to answer your question, Clay, yeah, I don't see how. They they uh, they can move forward with that next nine or ten, eleven whatever the year's total is the TV deal that locks in the current model now. Once this is out there and you see the comments, and not one player has said no, this is the dumbest dumbest thing. They all say, you know, there are a lot of interesting things here, or uh, I'm all in. A few of them are I think are all already committed, so I don't see how they ever are ever the same again after this. Getting out, and I think part of that too, by the way. Last thing is that they've done this quietly behind the scenes. It's not Greg Norman and Rupert Murdoch, and you know, it's not two people that everybody could either have a love or a hate thing for. Or uh, it's it's behind the scenes people. They've put it in writing. They've listened. Uh, they've made tweaks. That's that's very powerful. I suppose. First things first, the players that have been asked about it to date, Jeff, are the ones who'd be a part of it. So I'm not surprised that they're, they're, they're most lukewarm is it's interesting. If you ask the players who are the, <laughs> the bottom feeders being supported, as the notion seems to go, they might have a different view on it, I guess. Yeah, I asked a few, and they didn't even want to be on the record. They don't want to get in trouble, and they, and they know because they know probably what they'd say would just sound uh, uh, whiny or yeah. or uh bitter or you know and then they and they don't want to get the uh hey just play better and then you yeah. know that kind of <laughs> that's right takes care of everything so it's a no win for them to say anything or the cam smith fine you know speak the truth in and the, the problems correct immediately yeah. fire is there perhaps if you're sitting in ponavedra and you're running the tour if you're jay monaghan this is interesting it, you might look at this and go, oh, that's a potential bump in the road. We know how Fincham staved off the Murdoch there. We can probably do something similar with that. I think ultimately, even the top, the very top players, there's a, there's a, there's an appeal to the PGA Tour is it's all laid on for them. They don't have to do too much. Just turn up when they feel like it. And I think that's got a lot of appeal. But is perhaps the biggest concern, Jeff, that this rival group has gone out and found around the planet enough people who want to invest in golf but aren't doing it with the PGA Tour or the European Tour for whatever reason, because those products perhaps aren't appealing enough, who are prepared to fund this. That's yeah. interesting too, is it not? It really is. Um, and that was, oh, that was the other thing in my report. They went out of their way to correct, and they named this this RAIN group. Um, but my, my understanding from many different people has been that uh, when they're, they've had uh, meetings with these folks, that they've been... Uh, They've had the funding sources mentioned and listed that it's a it's a wide variety and it's coming from from a lot of private sources and and ones that are seemingly well backed. I've had a couple tell me of some sort of seemingly outlandish uh, entities that 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 are mentioned that I, I I'm not. Uh, that certainly well yeah no that wasn't what I was referring to in that but yes yeah, Saudi Arabia certainly is. A prime candidate, and I think that's probably what, in my report, they didn't like. I, I believe I referred to it as Middle East money, but uh, you know, given that we're going to the, the wonderful, cherished, historic, and um, beloved Saudi Open this week, 
um, that's going to be a reminder that this is a, 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 a the kingdom is is trying very hard to use sports to uh, soften its image and, and kind of use the Dubai model in some ways. Only they have Saudi Arabia <laughs> has greater crimes to overcome in uh, distracting us. But yeah, yeah, I think you're, to your question, yes, the 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 idea that behind the scenes there are a lot of rich people who've listened to this pitch and uh, either have entertained or are willing to, to chip in is, uh, is incredible. It, it does, it does make you wonder why, why, uh, they would do that other than, well, the guys, the, the pitch is good. Uh, the, and, and, and they see golf as, as, uh, whatever they see it as they, they, they have beefs, like we all do with the the model, there's something that they think is is not working, and and that the sport should be uh, better and healthier than it is. At least a pro game. Yeah. Well, if you put in ten uh, or fifteen so, million to run a tournament, and it was one of the second tier tournaments on the PGA too, you can understand why well, that might not. And yeah, and the ratings are you know some of these blue chip sponsors are getting uh, terrible ratings compared to what, and they're so numbers driven now. They're all so data, data, data. And and that that all those engagement numbers for an American Express, for instance, uh, you know, they have to look at that and go, whoa, whoa, wait a second. But if American Express is sponsoring an event where all the top players are there, um, those numbers go up, and suddenly they they feel better about their sponsorship. So 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 there's some of that. There's just just pure numbers that are telling people it's not working. Clay, as a player, when you started out, you could see pathways. I imagine to get where you want yeah. to go in golf. It's hard to see, let's take Travis Smythe, really lovely young bloke from here in Australia, and his game's developing nicely. He's gone to Asia, got his card, kept his card there this year, and has had a couple of good results early in the year, so he's a player of some potential, and who knows where he can go. But he can see a pathway from there to the PGA Tour, if that's your ultimate goal. I can't see how a player could see a pathway to that top 48. Is That that might be the biggest downer. It, back to that feeder tour question, it's all very well and good to want the stars, but the stars aren't just born. They're created through the tours, aren't they? And the, the journey from the bottom of the game, where everybody starts, to the top. Yeah, so how does Trevino get there? or how does? Mm. I mean, good players will always find a way at some point to get there, but yeah, I, I just don't see how it works in terms of how, you know, what happens when Baker Finch and David Duval when they lose their game? Do you throw them off and get someone else on, or how, how does that all work? And, and how do you get there? And does the PGA Tour just disappear? Um, you know, I'm not sure how this all kind of how it all works, really. But you're right. It's like if, if you're a young player, you know, do you is your goal Australia, Asia, Europe, PGA Tour, and then you go to this thing? You know, is it just another step beyond the PGA Tour? Yeah, that's just bizarre. Um, interestingly, the PGA Tour is obviously the biggest. It's the behemoth in world golf, Jeff, and so it's been the target of most of the questions and answers from this entity. The European Tour hasn't really had much. Is it possible? Am I, this is an outrageous take. Are the Euro Tour maybe already in bed with them? And a secondary question, might the easiest way forward for the PGA Tour ultimately be to say, well, if you can't beat them, join them? I think that's an easier move to make for the European tour than it would be for mm. the PGA tour. Have they already made it? And that's, that's what I question. <laughs> the, yeah. It, 
it's very quiet about the Euro Tour, isn't it? The PGA Tour is very much in the crosshairs of everything that these people have said. Well, sure, it's the one that you think of because probably the two credible names that that well, I think they're the two credible. I mean, certainly one of them is Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, as as people who would who would sort of endorse this um, are American, and the PGA Tour is their primary tour. But as a as a candidate to pick off. Uh, you know, to convert some prime events and then quickly create that secondary uh, feeder tour that I that we I think all agree would be vital to making this work, um, and 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 then culturally, I think Europe would be more in tune with the team element. And all of this, although I think America's moving that direction, would find it interesting. It's the more logical candidate for this group, especially because a lot of them seem UK-based to to discuss a merger with and and turn these Rolex events and then try to get a couple of things in the US and go about. It. I could see that scenario more likely as some sort of a merger combination break off, turn a whole bunch of European tour events into challenge events that are are the places where the next the next stars develop, then I can see that happening with... I just can't see the PGA Tour budging, and nor should they uh, accommodate this in that way. But I could see the European Tour, given where it's at, Me too. saying, well, that's our, that's our best chance at survival. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, does absolutely it does. Seem- I think, uh, it makes perfect sense. It's, a, it's almost a free ride to where they want to get to the European Tour and be the dominant... Well, too, so you could certainly see some of the appeals. How do you stop it if you're Jane Monaghan? What tools does he have? Fincham shut it down pretty quickly back in the 90s when Norman tried it. I don't think, and your point about Thompson is obviously right, Clates, and he led by example. He walked the walk, just didn't talk the talk. In fact, he knocked back that Masters invite. What year was it, Clates, to go and play the Indian Open? Peter Thompson? Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Sometime in the 60s, probably. Yeah, yeah. He declined to play at Augusta and instead went and played the Indian Open because he thought it was in the best interest of the game. So leaving mm-hmm. that aside, because I don't think... Despite... Gabriella Ruffles well... taking the Peter Thompson model, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Despite the platitudes in all of their press about they're doing this ultimately for the good of the game and not for the billions they'll generate for themselves and their yachts and their planes and everything else that'll come yes. with it, which is delightful. And I'm, it's great to have those... Uh, those sorts of people on board um it was pretty simple for fincham to shut it down in in 94 he just basically said to the players well you want to play there you can't play here and that yeah. was enough can that still work well, that's, is that feasible yeah, for that's, monahan that's the same thing that that monahan has in his his pocket are the releases and um and that's probably the primary thing he has but the the thing working against him then is is um uh, the, the dilution and the yeah, well, Tiger's one thing. Um, of course, if Tiger were to latch onto this, then then they have a massive problem. Um, we did not get to ask Tiger about it this week. Uh, uh, we had hoped to after. I wanted to wait till after the tournament, and then obviously the circumstances changed dramatically yesterday, and it wouldn't have been appropriate. But um, but I think that uh, the release situation. And the pension uh, plan they have is so good for these elite players who make a lot of cuts. But this group also addresses that, that what you've earned, you can't have uh, taken away from you in any way. And they have a a plan to address all of that. So they they really pretty much go after everything but 
having a solid uh, case to say you're going to be able to continue to get world ranking points other than if they deny these events world ranking points which get you into majors and and uh, th- th- they're going to they're going to have a, a fight on their hands well, and that, I, wouldn't yeah, have, or the rankings will lose all credibility. Yeah, you can't have a world ranking system that doesn't put Tiger Woods in the top 10. Yeah, I mean, when you, that, yeah, that, when you give points to the, yeah. you know, the the Philippines four ball and and you, you're not giving it to to, to the uh, the newly rebranded Australian Open. Yeah, yeah, so um, so I, who, and I thought that yeah, we'll come to that. For, for those who might not know, just the, the way the release yeah. system works, Jeff. So, um, a player who's a member of the PGA Tour who wants to play in, let's say, the Australian Open is up against the some tournament in the desert in late November. PGA Tour member who wants to play in his home open, the Australian Open, has to ask for a release to play. And you're not just free to. While we Correct. talk about them being independent contractors all the time, that's true. They're able to independently contract anywhere on the PGA Tour, but not elsewhere. You need a release from the tour to play outside of the PGA Tour. That's how those rules work. So right. they do kind of. Uh, they do. <laughs> it's not quite as independent contracting as possible. So although it's a very nice lifestyle. So we've had not much. The Australian Open has been mentioned uh, as perhaps being a part of this, this this schedule of ten events in the US, eight outside the Australian Open being one of them, and some other national championships in South Africa, and which obviously to those of us in this part of the world appeals. We know we are struggling with those events, which deserve more prestige than. And just on a by the way, they keep talking about how they've created this really proper prestigious that, that you can't buy prestige, can you, Jeff? This isn't prestigious just because it's worth a lot of money, is it? Valuable, but it's. Uh, I think. Well, I think. I don't know. Uh, and I would would buy into Prestige if they uh, targeted elite venues, and I think that's something they're right. they they're they're going to run into trouble. I don't know if people realize how few courses are left that that can host the top players in a major city that have architectural. Uh, interest or 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 well located or beautiful or all the things that they that that lead to the prestige yeah. uh i i i think they're in for a fight on that unless they're willing to go to some more remote locales uh or play a a slightly larger golf ball or uh, things like that they i think they're going to run into some trouble because that's the quickest way to build prestige beyond or or to to overtake uh, some existing events, and again, that's where I, I I'm fascinated by the idea of of ma- imagine if they could Get the convert Australian the Irish Open, Open or the yep. Scottish Open. So or how would the, that uh, how would that work? So what you would have a full field of 156 as we have now, and you'd have a tournament within a tournament of those 40 no. players who are part of their teams, or how would that? No, they would just overtake the event and bring their format to that that event. So the and Australian be, would uh, be a 48 player field. Yeah. I, I that, that's the only scenario I can see. I can't. Can you guys see one where they compromise well, their format? No. Well, it's, but the, doesn't it cease to be an Australian Open? Of course, there are forty-eight players. In it? <laughs> if you can't qualify for it, it's not an Open, is it? Yeah. No. And that's something we're gonna. It's a discussion that will come up when the PGA Tour comes back to Los Angeles this year. A, a, a tournament's created as an Open in nineteen twenty-six uh is suddenly now an invitational because they didn't want to retain two spots in the reduced field for qualifiers which i think is lame in case you hadn't noticed if it's a well of course it's lame it goes against everything about golf as does this concept even though it's got some interest at the very top of the game that immediately to me clates takes it off the table as an australian open partner does it not maybe the australian masters could be reborn 
as one of those, but you can't have an Australian Open with 48 players, can you? So, uh, well, I don't think so, but... It does seem like the wrong event to target, but who who operates that event? Lagadee. Uh, oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> who uh, operates the Australian Masters? Well, IMG. That doesn't exist. Well, if it existed, it would be. IMG well, did, they yeah. own it. When it did, who who was, the, was there a... IMG was the IMG. last owner of it, yeah. Ah, see, so there you go. So if IMG were involved in this... Um, they, yeah, you're right. That that seems like the event that would be more appropriate to to latch on to. So, but I I think the I'd follow the Lagadere trail on that front. So just to, just to change hats for a minute, Clates, and suddenly get behind the whole thing. If there's something in it for us here in Australia, I could see a scenario where we might get behind it here. If you, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I'm like, you guys, wait, 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 wait. say this, these tournaments are hanging yeah. uh, by a thread, and all of a sudden you want to deliver Tiger Woods and well, you want to, all these players. Well, here, well, that, the yeah, I don't think you guys would complain. Well, would you? So let's say you rebirth the Australian Masters, a Premier League event. It's got a feel of the, those 48 playing in their team event. Then you have the Australian Open next week, which is how we've done it with the Presidents Cup, and you hope and negotiate with some of those players to stick around or come early to play in the Australian Open. What's been your take on that experiment as we've seen with the President's Cup, Clates? Uh, and would that be something we might be more inclined to get behind? Well, if they stick around, but I mean, the President's Cup's just a sugar hit, really. You know, it comes down here and it's an amazing event and it goes away and the PJ Tour take all the money back to America. Sucks a lot of money out of the game in the lead-up years as well, the President's Cup, money that might otherwise go to the Australian Open or a Masters or something else. That money goes to the President's Cup. So there are issues with that. I'm not saying that's wrong, but that's a reality of it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So why would you sponsor an Australian Open when there's this massive event with all the best players the week before it? It just completely dilutes what the Australian Open would be. Hmm. Unless it becomes one of them, and you know, I'm not sure how. I mean, they, they did play that once. They played an Alcan tournament in in, in Britain, Scotland, maybe. Where Peter Tom, the, the, there was the elite field of 24 or 30, whatever, however many players, and then there was a concurrent event played with the rest of the players. Peter Thompson was in the concurrent event, but he shot the lowest mm. score. So it's been done before that thing. So I could see that, kind of that working. Inject those 48 places into the Australian Open field, but still have us at an Open with 156 players, 15 or 20, however many of them who have qualified at, you know, Carnarvon Golf Club down the road on the Monday. Well, I saw on your site this morning, Jeff, there was a suggestion that the LPGA might be involved as yeah. well. Right. I would, it would well, be that, uh, they're it targeting would be, it, to be clear. Yeah. That, yeah. If you want to talk about the Australian Open, then have the combine them have the men and women play together that would be a great event with, well with, they they i think that would be the ultimate goal they want to obviously get them the, the they have to get the men uh the male part established and then bring this concept to women's golf and then yes they i mean they explicitly say they would like to see where feasible uh this thing where we finally see the the men and women uh, you know playing the same week sometimes and and uh, doing some of the things that some of the people are trying to do Wouldn't which the pga tour has tried to do but for whatever reason sponsors or uh those journeymen uh that are, hard have they tried? That are vocal have killed it how hard have they tried i'm not convinced by uh i think i think jay monahan's tried really hard okay. and i think they're very scared of the equal pay debate that that if they they did have an event right and they weren't getting the same purse uh, or a significantly boosted 
uh, women's purse that they'd get they'd get uh, criticized for it. I think that's been a I think that's been a sponsor's yeah. concern. Okay. Wouldn't it make more sense, and in fact, be probably more financially viable to apply this concept to the women's game first? Yeah, the LPGA yeah. would have signed up immediately, would they not? Almost, or maybe not. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being a bit too. No, I think I think I think I uh, I can't even remember what I wrote now on the post, but I do believe I. I because there, it is more of a global mm-hmm. game, really, than the men. In some sense, that there are, it's more of a global tour. The LPGA, especially now, as they've added uh, the, the uh, Ladies European Tour. So you're right. Yes, If you were to really do this the right way, that is actually the better place to have started. Um, but I don't know if the financial backers would be as excited about doing that and then the male part never happening and so i think they've done the right thing if if they really want these people to come forward and the sponsors and to make this thing take off they have to go after the men's game first but you're right logically this would be and and it's interesting too in the documents i have they don't really have this tone of we want to work with the pga tour but they do say we want to work with the lpga tour after this is established to get this going. So I, I thought I was fascinated by that. Since I wrote my item, they came out with that press release that we want to work with the tours, Con- kind of contrary to what I wrote. Well, nobody in their right mind thinks that somebody trying to do an 18-event schedule is doing anything but but uh, uh, making a hostile yeah. Takeover bid. Working here. with them to figure out what they're going to be after we've taken over. That's yeah. How they're going to have, well, which events of theirs that we <laughs> can exactly uh, we right. can Jerry we can Pickens. reconvert. I mean, it's it's just silly to think that. The only thing I can think in that tonal change is that somehow, somewhere, they have figured out some way because they went from uh, everybody I spoke to said it had been knocked down to ten events. So they come out and they say, "I'm wrong. We're we're going for 18. So maybe they have figured out some opening where they see their their the ten event concept working in in conjunction with the PGA Tour. I can't figure that what out what that is. I don't know enough about the business, frankly, or the or the thinking of all these people to know. But I am I am I am feeling like the uh, insistence on the eighteen number could be a. A bargaining position more than reality. Exactly. You, you, you throw out there something that you're prepared to give up to, so that you start at a higher place than where you're aiming yeah. to end up. That's and Tiger's not playing 18 events. No, sure. None of these guys want to play 18. The whole point of this tour is that it it it, it just kind of it trims dead weight and tightens everything up. So why 18 doesn't do that? Because then they want to play some majors, and then you got to figure there's a handful, one or two other you random know, events they want to play. You're back to working almost every second or third week if you're not. Yeah, you're, you're not solving the the thing that That's the uh, the top players want. Yeah, play, solve. Play, play less and get paid. Or all players, really. Yeah. I think of course, uh, all you, of them. I think. Well, everyone's trying to become Rory McIlroy so they can have Rory's lifestyle, aren't they? Which is you know play every third or fourth week, make loads of money, be good at the game, and pick and choose where you want to play. Back to the women, Clates. What's the Vic Open taught us about what these people might have been able to learn? For mine. The women's event has been the strength of that Vic Open from the get-go. Well, and increasingly more so next week because they obviously can come and play the Vic Open and then the Australian Open the following week. So it's a two-week swing. And then they go to Asia for two weeks. So it's a great four-week swing for them. 
the men, there, there isn't now, because they lost the Perth event, there's no event for the European men after the Vic Open. So it's a one-off. So the men's field's going to be very light on That's this right. year. Mm-hmm. Um, is playing Ogilvy. There'll be maybe no one, there'll be some European players that have no roster to play who need to play to get a chance to move up. But, you know, but the women have, I think there are, there are 15 major champions playing the Australian Women's Open the week after. Yeah. And almost that many playing the Vic Open. So, that, so the women have, uh, they've always been slightly stronger. Now they're way stronger. They're, 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 Even before the LPGA. The men, the men's field. Co-sanctioning, weren't they? They were, they were the, 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 the better credentialed field of the two. Even before the LPGA sanctioning and the, the European Tour sanctioning. That was yeah, my recollection. They were. And the lesson of the Vic Open is that the crowds love watching the women play. Um, if you're running this 48-man world tour with a small field, then should you have spectators on the fairways, which is a great thing about the Vic Open. But, you know, as we're seeing this week, and we, and we see every year with the Australian Open tennis and the Grand Slam tennis, is that, you know, the, the women being there make it a much better event than just a regular single-sex-only tournament. Can it work every week, though, Clates? I wonder about that. But people have posited that the Australian Open should go to this, the mixed idea, the same as the Vic Open. Of course, the problem with that is that you've got to trim each field to about 30 players for the weekend, or for, certainly for the Sunday, to get them through just with time. That's an awfully small field yeah, for Sunday it. at a it's National it. Open, isn't it? Yeah. And that's Well, well the, the last year was the only Vic Open, was the first Vic Open to cut to 35 for Sunday. So they cut to 65 on, on Friday night and 35 on Saturday night. Yeah. Might not be a deal. But if you don't do that, then you've got morning and afternoon fields on Sunday. Yeah. And that's awkward. And yeah. That's kind of, well, yeah. It was awkward, but I thought it worked fine. But yeah. um, It's statistically easier with fewer players on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. And it's the day you want to be in there. And look, it's a fantastic, what they've created there, Clates, I think is, it is a fantastic, it is a, it is Australia's festival of golf now. If you're in golf and you don't go down there, you're mad because, at least for a part of the week, because it's kind of, not our Augusta in that way, but you know people gathered under the tree at Augusta National. It's famous for that every year, Shaq. You get a bit of that at the Vic Open, don't you think, Clance? People who are anybody in, in the sport, they tend to go down there because it's a, it's a great laid-back week. Yeah, it's certainly the best event in Australia. It's I not the so. best. It's not the most important. Chat, you know, it's, but it's, it's, the best. it's not the best trophy, but it's no. by far the best event. Mm, agreed. More broadly, Shaq, does this tell us anything about golf? Are, are these guys just essentially state of the game listeners? They've listened, listened to the first two years, 2012 to 2014, and thought, you know, these blokes are making some sense. We should have less golf. We should have more match play. We should have a bit of this. A lot of what they're proposing is stuff that we've talked about. I'm not convinced about it not being the existing structures doing it, though. I feel like that makes it, I don't know, there's something untenable about it. Although, ironically, and uh, hypocritically, if 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 they proposed this about women's golf, I would have said it was a fantastic idea. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's probably just because of the the sense that they and and this is where I'm fascinated. I mean, I I sense the 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 top male golfers make plenty of money. Maybe certainly Tiger Woods hasn't made what he sh- should for what he's done for the PGA Tour on the course. But, I mean, or. Uh, I, I, I would say on the course, yeah. I think um, his earnings are commensurate with his place in the world, his celebrity and his... I do, I do, but they, they make the case in their their pitch that these none of them are, that they could be bigger global brands and 
Um, so they feed their ego that way, and I don't know if that's the case. And so, but I think your resistance is that they are pretty much doing fine, um, and they should they should be happy. And and if they take the tack that if Matt Kuchar comes out and says, "I love this idea," because yeah, I've I've been uh, underpaid. I don't think he understands that some of these guys will understand how many people will say, uh, nobody's mm. buying tickets to watch you either. So, whereas the women, I think you would say, yes, this is, this is the right way because they haven't, uh, made nearly as much. Yeah. I'll just, uh, the quote that really got me, Rory's comment, he, he, he finished line by saying top player, it might lead help to lead top players being rewarded the way they should be. I guess I, that jarred me. He's a guy who won fifteen yeah. million bucks in a week, or seventeen or eighteen actually. It was he won the tournament and he won the FedEx Cup? He won about seventeen million bucks in one week. I would imagine it jarred some people at uh, at headquarters too. And <laughs> it's uh, and I want I'm going to go back and listen to the tape because again he you know Rory he yeah I like Rory I'm surprised he puts a lot of him. thoughts out there. He brought it up. He came up to the podium and. Joke that we were must be talking about the world tour, and we all laughed, and then we started asking him about his round, and then it eventually did get asked. I don't even think it was necessarily going to come up, but he kind of threw that out there, and almost like he wanted to be asked. And then, yes, he made that comment, and again, I don't, I I don't know if that necessarily was a a reference to himself and other elite players, or a reference to this sensibility that ha- this group has tapped into. Um, where these guys are are feeling like they aren't getting what they deserve. Part of part is just so you know. So part of it, I think, is not that they that that Rory McIlroy thinks that he should have gotten more for the FedEx Cup, or more uh, for winning uh, the tour uh, certain events. Let's just say, I think that he is. What he's saying is the tour gets a certain amount of money for purses out of their uh, uh, TV deal that they put into tournaments. And that is now that money is 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 diluted a bit because it's going to a John Deere Classic, it's going to a Bermuda Championship, a Puerto Rico uh, Open, these things where they're getting you know the bottom half of the field. Nobody's in the top one thousand in the world. They're just added playing opportunities and purse growth, which is how the executives are incentivized to work. They are. That's their job is to add places to play and purse money. Their job is not to add to make to shape the product the way the World Golf Group is shaping what they're pitching. So the system is broken in that sense. Jay Monahan is not incentivized to say to think about things that make the best sense for a schedule and and the game and and the brands and the people and the sponsors. It's just strictly that and so that may be what those guys are saying is that that model and that system is 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 dumb because now because because remember here's the other part so when they don't play those lesser events they hear that narrative um and they get their arms pulled why aren't you playing you know jordan why aren't you playing the valero you're from dallas san antonio's not far you should be supporting texas events and it's like well you went to a bad golf course Prior to the Masters, I'm just using this as a hypothetical, yeah, yeah. but because uh, he still usually plays the week before the Masters. But let's just say that's a that's a hypothetical where, and for somebody like him, it's like, well, that tournament shouldn't even be on the schedule. Uh, let's just say, and not to pick on Valero, but let's just say he 
that's his view. And so that then leads that top player view to be like, well, we just kept all these adding, adding these things. And then it's just one more thing that I'm, I'm a jerk for not playing. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's things like that, that we don't quite know how it all works behind the scenes for them in terms of, of being, uh, pulled and prodded and, and, uh, harassed. I mean, they're great problems to have, Mm -hmm. but you could see it where it gets, it gets uh, it gets a little bit annoying. The scrutiny is, <clears throat> and it's only yeah, the worse, scrutiny. Isn't it? The yeah. scrutiny is just uh, is just sort of outrageous. Could not Monaghan nip this whole? And we're guilty of it too, by the way. We've we've sat and questioned why. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Jason Day doesn't go back and, and play in Australia. Absolutely. Or, or, yeah. You know, we, we, and you know what? Uh, he wants an off season. Uh, you know, I mean, you hear that mostly. I mean, Justin Rose is trying to be diplomatic, and he's a well spoken guy, but it's like. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I want, I want to shut it down, and then I want to because I want to, and and some guys it's just uh, laziness, but I doubt that's the case with most. Most of the time, it's because it's because I want to be great and fully engaged when I'm there playing, and so their their motive is right, I think. Of course, the problem is that for those of us who are the fans who predominantly participate in the game, our idea of a holiday is to play golf every day, thirty six holes a day, if we can. Yeah, it's a job for them. That's yeah. right, and that that can be hard to to make that work. It doesn't take much to think about it and realize. Oh, that. I don't. I mean, Clay. So I, I I don't. I I don't know how many guys do you sense play for fun anymore. Just go out and play for fun. I feel like it's a dwindling number. Yeah, yeah. In fact, when they quit playing the tour, do they ever play golf anymore after that? Or what about or just on their free time? I mean, how many? I mean, Kevin yeah. Kisner goes and plays money games. And Aiken, Jordan Spieth goes out with Tony Romo with his uh, golf, surf, skateboard thing at Trinity Forest, and they play in two hours and they laugh their butts off and they have a fun match. Oh, the um, fun Tiger, gets to play I think at the moment. <laughs> Tiger will play. Yeah, in the coming years, Tiger will play with his kids. Charles Howell, I see, plays with his kids. Um, but I, I mean, look, we don't even have the Tuesday practice round money games that Phil used to have. To uh, to to you know to kind of play team stuff for the the cup events that's over now. Like they just what they play nine holes and it's strictly a scouting thing. So four hour ordeal too. Uh, you know that's an element too. I don't I, and that is a lot of dimensions to that. Why guys don't play for fun as much, but but the act of playing golf is is not as fun for them. And that just may be. It also could just be as simple as the money. Does pro golf ruin the fun of golf for some people? Quite obviously, you're not one because you're probably getting ready to go and play now because that's what you're normally doing when we record SOG, sorting your clubs and getting ready. But I would imagine that a lot of the guys you played on the tour with don't play golf at all anymore. The fun's just gone out of it because you've had that pencil and card in the pocket and played so long that way. There's no longer a recreation. Is that true or have I misrepresented that? No, that's true. And I think for I think for a lot of guys, even when we played, it was just a job. The guys played in Europe. Um, you know, I remember discussing... Lamenting leaving Port Marnock, which was a great course to play the Irish Open on, to go to a much lesser course, but to play for more money. And I was lamenting the fact they were doing that. These guys looked at me like I was crazy. What do you mean we're playing for more money? I don't care where we play. Yeah. So, yeah. It's interesting. The tennis comparison was I was looking at the. Someone gave me a media guy for the tennis this year. So, Novak Djokovic, who started playing in 2005, basically, he's won $139 million in prize money. In a sport where the prize money outside of the majors is not even close to being comparable to yeah. golf, right? And Tigers, Tigers won 120 million starting in 1996, right? So you could argue that you're right; the top players aren't getting paid what they deserve. 
if, if you look at those numbers. But do we want but, the tennis model, Clates? No, I, no, tennis are terrible. But I think that for the mate, I mean, I would say, you know, whatever the Masters is playing for this, this year, was it 10 or 12, 30 men, whatever it'll it be, is. Yeah, it'll be 12 or 13. Is, so. is it terrible? amount of money to play for given how much money that or revenue that tournament generates i mean they should be playing for 30 million dollars there i mean why are the players not striking and saying we're not going to play anymore because we're not getting any of the cut of this i mean in, in the australian open this week the first prize is uh, 2.8 million us dollars which is i'm assuming way more than they're going to get for winning augusta or the us open or the british open but not the players' shack, interestingly, which announced a purse increase just coincidentally. Oh, around it's the a time Because the, their purses are going to be $10 million, that's the idea, and the winner gets two. Is that right? No, no 15 and 2.8 for first. 2.8 for first. Okay, so, so that's significant. For first, so that's the, that, that equals the prize money at the Australian yeah. Open this year for the men and the women. Yeah. 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 What they get at and the Australian I, Open? I, yeah. Clates, the Australian Open golf is 275000 I think. Right? To win, yeah, yeah, two hundred seventy-five thousand minus your forty-eight percent tax if you come from overseas. So you can see yeah. p- some of the problems with getting people to come here and play the Australian Open. Shack, it's not just players not generally interested in travel. We've got some other barriers as well. Could Jay Monaghan not just nip this whole thing in the bud by cutting fifteen or twenty events off the schedule, Shack? Hmm. No. Um, That'd fix it, wouldn't it? Perhaps, perhaps. And if that 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 those cuts meant. The money went somewhere else, um, or 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 just be, began a program where those those events get turned into corn ferry tour events. Um, play forty nine weeks a year. I don't know. I'd have to ponder how that would like. What we, you know when you start looking at events and and things, what would what would you cut? I mean, to me, the, what what's sad on the PGA Tour side is that the events that built the tour, the great events, have been. Uh, and a lot of those are still strong, but they all, every week, every tournament on the PGA Tour, if you just took the World Golf Championships away, uh, you would you would strengthen the week-to-week events, and you would have more money, and uh, they would be played more by the stars. So the World Golf Championships, while it was a great solution by Tim Fincham to get rid of uh, Greg Norman and Rupert Murdoch, um, and serve that purpose. It, they are now serving a counter purpose and undermining uh, the regular tour events, and then in, and then not, and not having gone to the next level of, of 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 really being a little more worldly and a little bit more bought in by the European tour and things like that. I mean, the guys play. Although I don't know if anybody we're going to play in Memphis this year, but um, uh, that's going to be a real test case uh, given its date. Um, so I don't know. That'd be, that'd be tricky, but they, they definitely have way too much, uh, sound like a a, a business, uh, speak here too much inventory. Yeah. Well, the European tour is now effectively a three tier tour, isn't it? You've got the Rolex events, the regular European tour events, and then there's a, a a selection of events just under that. So if you win the Q school or if you advance from the challenge tour, it's, you're not going straight into every event the European tour runs by any stretch of the imagination. You only sort of get to that. That next level. They did try to address that. We'll finish up in a second. They did try to address some of this, didn't they, Shaq, by adopting a form of that LPGA tour model, which says every player must play in essentially every event or event they haven't played in once every three years or so. I remember that happening a couple of years ago. So they've tried to 
They've well, tried to do it, but it's I mean, a very gentle yeah. prod when what it needs is a much better And that's worked. That's been a great change. Like, Brooks Kepka is going to play at Riviera this year. We're going to have the top five players in the world because um, he needed to – he needed to do that, and and he picked that one, and we are the the beneficiaries of that. We were a few years ago when Jason Day did it. Uh, so that rule, and and you've seen some people pop up in places you didn't expect, and that's been uh, an excellent change um, because we've seen a real difference in how you know one or two of those people who don't normally come it just raises that tournament's profile a little bit more. So, uh, but you know, the, and then they, yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Clay. Which is the same things happening with the Vic Open this year. Speaking of that, is that the only reason I suspect NB Park is playing is because she needs to make the Korean Olympic team. Right. So one of the, one of the unintended consequences of the Olympic golf is that NB Park's now playing in Australia because she needs to get in the top. Wow, that's the hardest team in the world to make. Yeah, that's impossible. Eighth ranked player in the world, you're not playing the Olympic Games yeah. when the thousandth ranked player is. Well, and that's yeah. The other unintended consequence of the Olympics, Clay, is that Tiger Woods might not actually make the U.S. team, and wouldn't that be a spectacularly ironic? I do. I do believe he moved ahead of Patrick Cantlay today. So there are some uh, um, NBC executives who are feeling a little better this morning about Olympic golf uh, uh, because panicking about the Patrick Cantlay, Tiger Woods. hmm, I'm not. I think I know which one uh, makes the entire difference in the entire thing. Well, absolutely, and that's exactly what this Premier League thing is about, isn't it? So, last question, Clay. Yeah. it does come down to him. Start with you, Clates, and the same question for you, Shaq. You get a bit more time to think about it because you're a bit more immersed in it. Clates, will this thing ultimately fly? No, I don't think so. Shaq? But Shaq would know uh, more than me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, but let's go with gut instinct. I've got it at, I've got it at um, uh, I was about 20% when I was driving down to Torrey Pines on uh, Monday morning, and I'm at a, I'm at a, I've moved, if I were a, uh, a better, I'd moved it. I, it's, it's a fifty percent chance. Wow, I would 50, say fifty. Jesus. Uh, I, I mean, there are other there are other things going on behind the scenes that uh, could could really swing this a lot of different ways, and uh, uh, things I know about and things I don't know about. So um, I'm I'm really curious to see. But I, I it's uh, two things. I think it's not going to go away as a story for a while. Mm-hmm. And like we were discussing earlier, I think it's forever changed uh, people's perception of the PGA Tour. Who, who are who are briefed on these details, or who will find them out? And it is going to be a year of discussion about change. And and frankly, uh, you know, I think most golf fans, especially those who follow these things and are under a certain age, who are a little more open minded, and maybe even an older crowd. Ah, uh, the you know if the tour announced next week we've re-signed with CBS and NBC and we're gonna have the same schedule and the FedEx Cup's exactly the same, and we're gonna have a wraparound schedule and we're never gonna go away <laughs> at any point in the year uh, and let anybody else in the world have enjoy seeing some of the better players. Uh, I think that that would land like a, a with a real thud and and so now. Uh, this may force a little bit of rethinking before they ink that that next deal at the very worst, and I think that's mo- going to be seen as a positive. Yeah, there, well, there's some legitimate ill feeling among and fans towards the PGA Tour, and they need to be aware of more that. than they understand. Yeah, they just they just have been naive to it, I'm afraid, or they've ignored it, or in in you know in that quest to maximize those opportunities, and and you know the other potentially huge positive is that that they figure some things out with the European tour that we've all 
uh, kind of hoped would happen. United we stand, divided we fall. Let's wrap it up there, Shaq. Can, can, can I just yes. can I can we bring up because she does have uh, uh, her parents uh, have have roots in Australia. I, I just am dying to know you because nobody else cares about these things. But I'm fascinated by uh, Gabriella Ruffles ah. deciding to choose the. Uh, Anna inspiration over the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Am I, I, am I the only one who thinks that's just one of the most bizarre things that that, that a young aspiring player could be could you're be convinced probably, is a good idea? You're probably we'll have to play the the I think it's a fantastic idea, and I, I think Augusta National. I, I, more players make that decision because Augusta National, to me, who are an organisation who don't like to get things wrong. Putting those players in that position from year one was disgraceful, and you know Gabby Ruffles shouldn't have to make that decision. Disgraceful. Now Maria Fossey and and Jennifer Cupcho are doing great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fossey just signed an international deal that. with AT and T. I know they that. put on one of the most compelling performances that we've seen on those grounds. Jennifer Cupcho will always in her life have won a tournament at Augusta National. Mm-hmm. I get it. But I think that's pretty neat. It is, know. but why did they have to put it up against the first women's major of the year? Unnecessary. Well, because the first women's major of the year needs to move. It's in a, It was in a stupid date before the Augusta National Women's Amateur because every year on their Monday, the Masters begins. Separate And nobody, nobody talks about no. Even if they had the greatest finish in the history of golf, nobody's talking about it because the Masters separate, is That's a started. separate discussion. We know that the course yeah. is problematic. There's all sorts of problems with that, but that doesn't make it okay for Augusta National to just wade in well, and, but it's and, yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I don't I'm think they did it. To I'm not on board with Augusta that National. Event. It's yeah. tokenism of the the highest order that Augusta National Women's Amateur. I'm not saying that it's not a net positive. I think it was a net positive last year, but I don't think it was some great shining wonderful thing that Augusta National. They got a lot of it wrong, uh, I think. Uh, and it and I don't that, see those how, I mean, cracks can't be papered over by some pretty pictures of Jennifer Cupcho hitting a nice three hybrid into the 13th at Augusta, which is what happened. Clates, you've got something to say as well. It was a good moment. <laughs> well, I think she absolutely made the right decision. I mean, why would you pass up a major to play at a, you know, at one round at Augusta? Maybe, I mean, maybe. Sure, it's a lot of publicity, but and, no, no, no. She gets she gets a practice round. Oh, guaranteed. <laughs> so you get a social so, yeah. hit, and you might yeah. get to play in a round of competition if you make the last thirty for that one day. I just it smacks of tokenism to me. Okay, it has done for me. Uh, that's interesting. Okay, and, uh, I, I, but but clearly it's. A, I mean, what what the ANA should have done is move the date. I mean, just go a week earlier. Oh yeah, no, they're really being stubborn about it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and and go to a better golf course. I mean, it's a, you know, it's not a very good. Well, golf course. they've always played. now. they've always yeah. played it there. Why not go to Augusta National yeah. and have the ANA Women's Masters? Is that just me? If if Augusta National was serious, wouldn't isn't that what they would just do? No, that's it's it's. I mean, they've described, but it's just too too big of a. Uh, you can't have that. You, if you have it the week after, it's not as it, it, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, interesting. I I I think the chance to win a tournament at Augusta National when you get you only get it once, maybe twice. I mean, that invitation next year that she <laughs> thinks is uh, a lock may find its well, way it's into somebody else's mailbox. But true. chance to uh, impress some of the most powerful people in uh, all of corporate America certainly already paid off for Maria Fossey. Um, and uh, it just seems odd to me, but um, it's complex. I think it's more. Co- I'm going to send you the column I wrote last year, which laid all. I, I, but I, I brought it up because I think it, it, it shows state of the game, and I think it's an interesting 
window into where we are with amateur golf in general. Let's just forget Augusta National, that uh, amateur golfers are strictly playing to to prepare for the pro game, and they get a chance to play in a pro event, they're going to take it, even if it's... An, yeah. A phenomenal opportunity. Was she the only one? There was to, a couple last uh, year who opted for the. Oh no, no. Well, well. Then there are five. Uh, you yeah. know, five other players who just turned pro in the middle of the college season, right. abandon their team, uh, go to this Q school, get their status, um, and uh, that's that's an amazing thing too. I just can't imagine the amount of money that's uh, uh, awaiting them to to turn pro, and is that great? But. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm very bullish still on college golf as a, as a, as a way I don't understand people in a hurry to leave it because we've seen already such a long list of people who were in a hurry to leave and we've never heard from them again. And somebody's paying your way and you're going playing, you know, college golf in the U S is playing some really good courses <laughs> these days, um, right up to Cypress point. And, uh, they are, good competitions you you get great support at these athletic departments now anyway and she is doing that and to her credit she is staying an amateur and staying at usc where she has a great uh situation there a phenomenal program and they play excellent tournaments but i still think it's weird anyway but it's 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 something to watch and it's and then back to our original topic with the premier golf league it's this this changing mindset of of how you feed people to pro golf it's it's part of this yeah, the whole yeah, the whole big thing is is interesting. It's anyway, um, for a kid that turned that only took up the game. Was she fourteen? Clayton? Oh, I mean that's yeah, it's an amazing yeah. story which NBC would have told. Yeah, quite I think I watched her have her first lesson, Clayton, just through dumb coincidence. It was either wow. her first or her second with um, Dale Lynch. Dale Lynch? No, Dennis McDade. Yeah, probably. Yep. Down at uh, Dennis McDade, yeah, we, we were there filming some stuff for a website, totally unrelated, and she just happened to be there. And someone said, "You know who that is? Wow. That's Ryan Ruffles' sister." And she couldn't get it in the air. She had braces. <laughs> I mean, she, she had braces on her That's teeth. That's wild. She's topping it, and yeah, the odd one would get yeah. up there. But and then here we are, four years later, yeah. she wins the US. Four Women's years. Like, That's it. Four what? years goes from that to winning the US Women's Amateur. That's, that, that's incredible. My game didn't change that much in that time, Shaq, and it certainly didn't change oh, yeah, in that direction. It deteriorated probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I went from getting it airborne to not. So interesting stuff. All right, let's wrap it up there because, uh, well, we could go on forever and we probably will, but eight years to get to 100 episodes and just a week to get to 101. So there you go. That's. Uh, state of the game moving in the right direction just before we go Shaq quick congratulations to you it was, it was a few minutes ago now but you you managed to rumsfeld us with the known knowns and the un the known unknowns what did and, I say well you said that there's things you do know and there's things you don't know that's a known oh isn't it? I wasn't going for a uh, <laughs> I wasn't that was not rumsfeldian no you didn't no, mean no it. I literally mean there are <laughs> things that I've heard or things that I I kind of can imagine are when I put the pieces together that I, that I figure out then, but there are a whole bunch of other conversations that I have no idea what's well, being discussed. And, they're the unknown. unknown um, okay. yeah, <laughs> I'll get off. I that. guess they are. Thanks for joining us, mate. Been fabulous. All to right, thank you. Congrats you're again right. on breaking what is a really important thanks. story. And I think you're right. We'll, we'll change the shape of the game going forward. So well done to you. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you. And Clayton, always fantastic to chat to you. Get out of tennis mode, my friend, and get back into golf mode. We need you more uh, focused on the game. I'll see you next week at the Vic Open. I hope, Clayton. Are you caddying, working? What are you doing down there? No, no caddying. I'm just, um, I'm just down watching and writing and I'm doing my thing down there, which would be fun. And we're doing the radio on the weekend, I think. I hope I'm not. Uh, 
speaking as good. I think we're doing the radio on the weekend, so I'm going to be down there for that as well. I'll be being be a part of the Golf Australia team as we were at the show now. So I'm looking forward to that. But great to uh, chat to you today. Thanks for taking some time. Thank you, Rob. Episode 101 of State of the Game in the books. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed talking. And as we promised last week, we will be back more frequently to do it all again here on State of the Game. State of the Game is a talk and golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.